Coming to you from the AT&T Podcast Studio, this is Long Story Short. I'm Ted Struley, the Executive Director at Oklahoma Watch. We're a statewide nonprofit news organization that specializes in investigative reporting. You're listening to our weekly podcast, which lets you hear directly from our journalists as they provide deeper insight into their recently published stories. Jennifer Palmer covers education for Oklahoma Watch. She's been reporting on the federal COVID relief money Oklahoma received for education. Jennifer, your recent story delivers a bit of good news. Oklahoma recently distributed $17.7 million in pandemic relief for students. Now, that's federal money, right? Right. This is part of the gear dollars received by Oklahoma um, to to Governor Stitt, um, also known as the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Fund. Um, He got two rounds of this money. Um, You know, the first was about 40 million and this was the second round was about um, 17.7 million. Now, uh, the distribution was delayed a bit, right? Why was that? That's right. Round two was held up for quite a while um, because the um, projects under round one got a lot of scrutiny from uh, the media, from uh, auditors. There were some, you know, some dollars misspent and the governor's office was trying to work through that and strengthen its processes before handing out gear two. All right. Now, uh, you were talking about that first round of gear money and some of the problems that surfaced with that. Uh, Your reporting last year uncovered that misspending that you mentioned in some of the programs. Uh, What's the latest on that? Um, So we've had a couple of audits. Uh, The most recent one was released this summer um, by state auditor Cindy Bird. Um, That's a normal audit that goes through all the federal dollars that the state had received. Um, But she did find some additional um, issues with not only the digital wallet program, which is the one we've written about quite a bit. That's the one where, um, you know, low income families were given um, small grants to buy school supplies and things like that. And there were um, quite a few purchases that were not school supplies or education related, you know, TVs, barbecue grills, ring doorbells, things like that. Um, Bird's audit also found some issues with Um, a a second program that gave tuition grants to private school students, their their families to pay for them to keep going to private school during the pandemic. Um, So uh, those audits have been done. The latest really is that um, the attorney general is looking at whether there was any um, anything else, anything criminal um, that needs to be looked at, um, especially under the the digital wallet program. And who do we think the attorney general is investigating? Uh, Well, Drummond hasn't said, but he, um, you know, has said he's looking at whether there are any state actors. Our reporting showed that uh, Ryan Walters, um, even before he was secretary of education, actually, as head of Every Kid Counts Oklahoma, was um, in responsible for um, overseeing these funds, setting up the deal um, with Class Wallet, the Florida company that, you know, managed some of these funds. Um, so he, he would probably be the one. Is Walters overseeing any of the second round, Gear 2? No, he's not. None of these funds went to the State Department of Education, where he's now the superintendent. Now, uh, what projects did uh, governors to choose for this second round for that nearly $18 million? 
So the largest one uh, was through Donors Choose. Um, this is an online platform where teachers can post their projects, say they want to, you know, set up a reading area in their classroom or they want to get a 3D printer or, you know, some something kind of extra and fun for their classroom or maybe something really needed. Um, so they post their project and then donors can come on the site and give to that project. Well, Oklahoma, um, uh, Governor Stitt and um, OMES went through and just fulfilled um, thousands of those projects in a span of about uh, a week in August. Um, and that is how they uh, went through a little over $11 million. Now, other than donors choose, uh, which other projects were selected for that uh, six or seven million remaining? So there were a handful of others, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of Oklahoma County. They got some money uh, to uh, beef up their programming, um, to uh, to do some uh, remodeling on one of their buildings, and also to operate these um, mobile clubs that they take out to different neighborhoods and do activities and tutoring and things like that. Um, there also was uh, $2.5 million, uh, distributed to the Children's Center. This is a private hospital in Bethany um, to provide some uh, like uh, health and PE classes uh, for elementary students. Um, there was a smaller grant to special care. They do um, specialized uh, services for kids with dis disabilities. And um, there was one other purchase um, was a it was like an online um, learning platform for middle school students to kind of get them interested in STEM careers um, called Learning Blade. That was about 400000 Now, uh, there was a, a delay while they, you know, sort of vetted the process this time around. Did that cause any problems for any of the projects? Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I got proposals. The state asked for proposals and I got them through an open records request way back in 2021. And all of these projects were picked from those proposals. So they had, you know, they had been waiting for quite a while, you know, well over a year. Um, but I talked to the Boys and Girls Club of Oklahoma County and they said, you know, um, would we have liked to have had the money earlier? Sure. But there's still um, overwhelming needs with these kids, you know, especially the work that they're doing, lots of tutoring. There's a lot of academics um, that these kids need help and more time and catching up on. Um, so the needs are still there. All right. What happens next? Um, you know, there's no more gear money. So uh, this was the end of that um, portion of the federal COVID funds. We're still watching um, the rest of the COVID funds. There um, was a, a large amount given to school districts directly um, through the American Rescue Plan, and those funds still have more time through next year. All right. Well, thanks, Jennifer. You can read all of Jennifer's uh, coverage of the second round of gear funds and all of her other reporting on education in Oklahoma on our website, oklahomawatch.org. While you're there, you can also subscribe to her weekly newsletter, Education Watch. Reporter Paul Monies has been following the implementation of a new state law that forbids pension systems from doing business with banks that have signed on to climate pledges that are perceived to be pulling their investments away from the oil and gas industry. Uh, Paul, can you give us just kind of a recap of that state law so far? 
Yeah, so state lawmakers in 2022 passed this law that was modeled on one offered by several states, uh, including Texas. Uh, it basically says that some of these banks and financial firms have become too strident in their kind of global climate pledges, uh, and these are all publicly traded, so their shareholders are voting for these things. But they think that this is to the detriment of the state's oil and gas industry, so they've basically directed the state's pension systems to divest from these banks if they're found to be on these uh, these lists that the treasurer's uh, office is putting out there. Now, uh, lawmakers are trying to make some fixes to this, right? That's right, yeah. The treasurer, state treasurer Todd Russ, uh, put his first version of the list out earlier this spring, had 13 firms on there. Um, he has since cut that down to six, but includes some of the largest financial firms and banks that do a lot of bond trading and uh, asset management for state pension systems, including BlackRock, which is one of the biggest. And so uh, it also includes some provisions that affect cities and counties and their contracting with same, the same type of banks and financial firms. And that's caused a lot of confusion among certain cities, and including Stillwater, which pulled back from some uh, bank loans from Bank of America uh, over that, that concern. And so uh, they held an interim study uh, recently and kind of talked over some of the issues with implementation of the law, including possibly taking the city and county part out. Uh, it would still apply to the pension systems. Now, in the meantime, um, the pension systems have kind of uh, done their due diligence by their respect, and um, several of them have really large investments, including the Oklahoma Public Employee, sorry, Public Employee Retirement System, or OPERS, uh, which is about 60% of its assets invested through BlackRock. And that's become a problem with them as they have uh, dealt with trying to divest that issue. Yeah, so how are they, they responding to that mandate? So uh, OPERS is obviously the biggest that has some, the effect of this. Um, they have kind of put bids out to other financial firms. They have come back. Uh, they have basically said that it's not worth them to divest from BlackRock. That would cost them an estimated $10 million uh, to kind of move their money around and away from BlackRock. And so they voted last month, uh, nine to one actually, with Todd Rust alone, no vote, uh, to stay with BlackRock and take an exemption in the law. So uh, what does the state treasurer, Todd Rust, say about uh, trying to get this law implemented if the pension systems are all taking the exemptions? Yeah, in short, he's not happy. I mean, he was the lone vote in that Oprah's vote. Uh, he's also chairman of the Oklahoma State Pension Oversight Commission, and he has basically used his power in that position to convince that commission to send a letter to Oprah's, basically telling it to reopen its bid process, uh, acted too hastily in, in uh, kind of taking the exemption, and he thinks that the exemption was too broad-based. He said, basically, if you're taking this exemption, which is called the fiduciary duty exemption, then it basically nullifies the whole law, and what's the point of having the law uh, if you're just going to do that as a pension system? So he's, he's suggested some tweaks to that, and, of course, that was discussed at the interim study at the Senate. Now, you reported on some changes to uh, one pension system's board. What happened there? That's right. Yeah. A few weeks after that Oprah's vote, the nine to one vote to take that exemption, uh, the two of the uh, House Speaker Charles McCall's appointees uh, were basically told that they're not going to be staying on. Uh, they had their term expired back in January of this year. They were staying on as an interim basis. Uh, and they are now out of that board as his appointees. He is still looking for two more. Uh, contacted the Speaker's office, and he claims it's not related to that vote at all, uh, although those both those board members were, were taking votes all year at these meetings, and uh, the, the timing looks a little bit curious from the outside, for sure. Now, uh, there are some changes under consideration for next year when the legislature gets together in regular session and can, can take action on things. What are they looking at? 
That's right. Yeah, the senators in this interim study um, had a, quite a lot of questions for the treasurer and other folks appearing, including the original author of the, the law as well in the Senate, Kim David, who is now a corporation commission, uh, sorry, corporation commissioner. She basically said that, you know, the intent was not to harm cities or counties or pension systems, but they just wanted to kind of send a message to these big banks that they can't be too strident in moving away their investments from oil and gas, which is obviously a huge part of the state's uh, economy. And, um, you know, she basically said, uh, urged caution in kind of uh, implementing the law. The treasurer himself and several senators said, maybe take out the city and county exception that forbids them from doing business with these banks on certain contracts. And so we're kind of looking for some tweaks as that kind of comes up in, in February's session and the regular legislature meets again. All right. Well, what happens next for the pension systems? Yeah. So the, the OPRS board um, actually meets this week. Um, it's unclear. We have not seen an agenda if they'll be talking about the letter that uh, the pension commission sent them basically to reopen the, the bidding process. Now that nine to one vote is pr fairly strong. Uh, obviously two members are not there anymore, uh, but that would probably not change the balance inside that, that pension systems board. Uh, and of course on separately, uh, the police pension, sorry, the firefighters pension system uh, has a big contract with state street, which is off uh, one of the big financial firms on the restricted list. Uh, it's, kind of their custodian bank, which kind of moves money around for them in their investments. And so they're taking a look at possibly getting out of that relationship. Although the problem there is that there's not that many banks and financial firms that offer those types of services. The other ones that do are also on a restricted list. So they're kind of in a tough pickle there uh, for the pension, uh, for the firefighters pension system. All right, Paul, thanks. We'll keep an eye on that. You can too, uh, by reading all of Paul's uh, coverage of the state capitol on our website, oklahomawatch.org. We're here with audience development director Sean Witt, who uh, has an event coming up uh, here in just about a week. Sean, what's on the table? Well, it is, uh, once again, it's the Tales from the Mansion, If I Were Governor Today. Um, it will be uh, Mary Fallon, Frank Keating, David Walters, Brad Henry. They're going to uh, comprise the four panel of the governors, and it's just going to be a sit down to, to talk a little bit about their uh, time in office uh, and some of the challenges that face our current governor um, and, and the decisions that he made and how they might feel a little differently. Uh, or possibly in some cases the same, right? The same, yeah. I, I think that uh, some of the topics maybe that we're looking forward to talking to the four governors about are uh, everything from rural health care to maybe what's going on in the education system, uh, possibly the proposal to eliminate the state income tax. Frank Keating uh, certainly uh, took a run when he was in office at uh, updating the state tax code, but uh, voters uh, were not in favor of some of his proposals. So uh, might be interesting with the advantage of a rearview mirror uh, to see what they think of uh, what some of the current governor is trying to do on those fronts. Uh, any idea what else uh, might be on the table for that oh, discussion? I there is, but that cat's going to stay in the bag until the day of. If you want to, if you want to know what that surprise is, you you need to go to oklahomawatch.org forward slash events, purchase yourself a ticket, and come on and enjoy the festivities. It's it's going to be quite a surprise. I I can't wait for it. So, uh, how about some details of the event? Uh, how much is the ticket? Where's it going to be? Uh, it's going to be at St. Luke's downtown on the campus there. 
in Oklahoma City. Um, it is $75 a ticket. Uh, table for eight is $600. We do have a couple of tables left. Tickets are, we're, we're almost at capacity. So uh, ticket sales will close at midnight on this Thursday, the 19th. Uh, so please get to, uh, get to oklahomawatch.org forward slash events. Get yourself a ticket or get yourself a table uh, and come and join us. All right. And that event uh, starts at 1130. Is uh, lunch included? Lunch is included, buffet style. Uh, it's going to be a, an Italian festival, so to speak. Uh, so make sure that you uh, put your napkin inside your shirt so you don't get your tie messed up before you head back to the office. All right. And uh, once again, Thursday, uh, the 19th, the last day to buy tickets. The event is a week after that, Thursday, October 26th, 1130 to 1 uh, at St. Luke's United Methodist Church and their community center there on 15th, uh, Northwest 15th, 1130 to 1. And tickets can be purchased where? At oklahomawatch.org forward slash events. All right, John, thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you at the governor's event. You've been listening to Long Story Short, a weekly podcast that helps you get deeper into the investigative stories reported by Oklahoma Watch, which you can find on the web at oklahomawatch.org. This episode was recorded at the AT&T Podcast Studio. For Oklahoma Watch, I'm Ted Struley. Thanks for listening.